Okay. Real real talk, everyone. It's time for me and Phil to have a honest to God serious chat. Yes. Uh, Phil's been really problematic lately, and I need to have an honest conversation with him. Wait, what? Yes. So, Phil, I, I want to lay down the law. Something you keep bringing this up on the podcast, and I'm not cool with it. Okay. You keep talking about sports, and <laughs> this is not. I don't know why you're laughing. Sports are not allowed on this podcast. Why not? As, as I brought it up, sports promote jingoism, nationalism, toxic masculinity, and most importantly, tribalism. All right, they're all terrible things we should not be doing. It's. I'm just gonna admit it. It's one of the few prejudices I allow myself is I don't like people who like sports. So, because they they have all they have one or more of, of those traits, all right. As example, you keep bashing on like I'm from New York, so I got to root against the Celtics. Yeah. Even though it's like you know New York, the New York team winning, you contributed nothing to them, and it's not a reflection of New York at all. Nor is like the Boston Celtics if they win, it's not a reflection of the great how good or bad of a state New York or or Massachusetts is or city. It is. And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. It is. No, it, no, it's not ridiculous because you have to really think about it, right? Okay. So, no, 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 no. We're, no, we're not, we're not having this. All right. Put my foot down. All right. This is, you're, you're, I'm gonna follow the, follow the example set by the great state of California, from which uh, attorney, former Attorney General Kamala Harris reinforced free strikes rule. All right. You're on two strikes already. So free strikes, you're out. See, but you have to understand though, right? Just like the state of California. Their basketball team, one of their four basketball teams, was able to walk away with the championship. Okay, I don't really care. I don't care about basketball. <laughs> I don't care about NBA. No sports allowed. All right, we're taking it back. You know, and and in exchange, retaliation for the amount of time you've wasted on this podcast talking about sports, I'm going to take that time talking about nerd stuff, re- bringing back real nerd stuff. I'm not talking like cool nerd stuff like the MCU or Peacemaker. Or the boys. We're talking about like the nerd stuff that that's not cool yet. So first of all, we're gonna talk about Star Trek. Right. <laughs> uh, strange new. I just take it out. So from my estimate, you spent about five minutes total talking about uh, sports. So five minutes on nerd stuff. So uh, two thirty-six right now. It's okay. So Strange New Worlds, everyone. Great series. Highly recommend. Even if people have given up on the new Trek, Discovery era Trek. Yeah, I mean, Lower Decks is amazing. Everyone should be watching Lower Decks. But Strange New Worlds, classic. Get that classic Star Trek vibe. Uh, my personal favorite so far is the episode Spock Amok. You know, body swap. It's very, not groundbreaking, but, you know, good classic Spock Vulcan conflict. Uh, and you hear that theme song from Amok Time. Wait, Great. Spock, dead? No, this is a prequel. This is set uh... during the, the first... You can see, because uh, Phil here, he spends too much time watching sports and getting caught up in the tribalism of, of rooting against these cities. And it hasn't had a tie to, for the enlightened uh, allegorical, the allegory of, of social discourse that Star Trek brings up. I am right? a black man living in America. My entire life is social discourse. <laughs> hey, so first of all, Star Trek is incredibly progressive, all right? Because you had Ahura. Right, you know, you don't know the story about the reason why Ahura State, because the actress, um, uh, I, I'm feeling ashamed. I forget the actress's name right now. Um, oh, I just, uh, dang, I'm blanking out on it too. Uh, edit this out. Michelle Nichols. So she was actually planning to leave the original Star Trek until someone convinced her to stay. 
Do you know who that someone was? And I'm not making this up. This is a true story. Because Martin Luther King went up to her and said, uh, no, you have to stay on this show. It's the only show I allow my children to watch. Because, oh, like, wow. you know, she, she was, like, you know, this black woman on. And by our standards, it's not very progressive because she's essentially a glorified, you know, receptionist. But at that at that time in like 1965, 66, it's like, oh, she's a black woman who speaks on equal with all the other officers. Right. So on that, you know, another thing, you know, Uhura's in this. So this changing the world. It's about the the previous captain of the Enterprise is Christopher Pike, who you probably only know. Um, you only probably you probably only know from the movie. Right? Yes. Like, yes. Like uh, uh, Leo, uh, what's his name? Chris Humbleworth. No, that's 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 Kirk's dad, George Kirk. All right, Captain Pike. Anyway, I'm not gonna bother explaining it to this guy, but Pike is great. Um, I was what I was really enjoying because Uda, number one, playing by Rebecca Romain, she was my favorite character going in. But I was really shocked by how much Nurse Chapel has become my favorite character, uh, particularly in the, the latest episode where you know she and Spock kind of. Do the diehard thing and take back the Enterprise. Anyways, Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. Everyone check it out. Uh, especially if you watch sports, just give up sports while you're watching Star Trek. The other nerd thing, the other nerd thing I'm going to talk about that that's not popular yet, that's not cool yet. Yeah. Magic the Gathering, everyone. Oh. All right. So I will admit I'm a li- I've been a little out of it uh, the recent sets because uh, financial reasons. Uh, so I haven't. I don't know anything about Streets of New Campania. I don't know anything about uh, uh, Comic Con. They look really good though, but I'm going to talk about a very underrated set, uh, uh, Akoria, Layer of Behemoths. What? Now, now, it's a very popular set among casual players, but I see some grumbling across the high-level competitive players because, you know, the companion thing. All right, all right, all right. It's been five bad. minutes. It's been no, five, no, 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 no. It's been so five like, minutes. It's, no, it hasn't. It's been four minutes. I got one minute left. Oh, so, good Lord. We're going to talk about four particular magic cards <laughs> here. All right. We're going to analyze this. All right. And I gave Phil the link to them. So we're going to talk about, because uh, I played a lot of Aquaria Limited. All right. So first off, Passing Shore Shark. This is uh, uncommon, right? You know, five, four, blue, four, three, flash, mutate. Whenever it mutates, you return a creature, uh, opponent controls back to the owner's hand. First pick quality card. I've won so many games of Limited, just like boom. You know, you mutate onto a creature, bounce it back, huge temple, great. Uh, next one, Everquill Phoenix, two colorless, two red, four, four flying, mutate for four. Whenever it mutates, you create an artifact token with feather name, pay one, stack it, return it back to your hand. Uh, not bad. It's not bad. I had a lot more fun with this in Brawl. Uh, dedicated mutate deck. You know, you can do some fun things that's really hard to kill. Um, I tried playing in Limited. It, you know, it was fine. I maybe the deck I drafted wasn't that good. Finally, uh, number three, Mythic Rare Brokos Apex of Forever. This is the one Mythic I was not able to get on Arena. Two colors: black, green, blue. Six six mutate trample. You may cast this. Yo, you are literally great. speaking a foreign language, and this and this monster is called Apex of Forever. So that means it should be like God. Uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a big. This is a kaju theme set, right? And this is a legendary monster. This is like one of the big like Ooh, legendary theme. monsters. Yes, that's why I really like it because it hit. They actually had like alternate art versions that were literally the Godzilla ver- characters. They licensed oh. from Toho. Ooh, okay. So like first you had my 
my uh, attention. <laughs> now you have my interest. <laughs> All right, so I'll send you a link to those later. But Brokos, uh, I played a lot of it against Brawl. You know, it's a nice, it's a cool card, but a lot of people just did lame stuff because they just look, they just use the, this is the Sultai color combination and just full of good stuff. So it was kind of lame. But the card itself is really cool. What's really special is that these three cards I name have alternate uh, art treatments. Uh, and, you know, some people are just complaining about Wizards doing too many of these. You know what? The art art on this is sick, so shut up. If you, as long as you get good art, alternate art, it, it's, it doesn't matter. The artists here, Daniel Warren Johnson, fantastic. Loves drawing kaiju. Loves, you know, great detail on these cards. If I had the money, I would go buy, like, the alternate art versions, but they're probably, like, way too expensive. And if you like Daniel Warren Johnson, but you don't care about magic, we have something for you today. Yes, for the people who stayed <laughs> to listen to that long-ass setup. Good Lord. Oh, That's my God. Get. And I'm going to do that every time you keep talking about sports, all right? Well, you know what? Because we're talking about Daniel Warren Johnson, guess what? He likes sports. And you know what sport in particular he likes? Wrestling. <laughs> okay. So much so, he has a comic book on wrestling called What to Do a Power Bomb, which is being published by um, Image. Make sure you go ahead and get that first volume in stores now. All right. All right. So it, thank you, everyone, for this long-winded segue. So Daniel Warren Johnson is special because he's got not only multiple books nominated for the Eisner, 2022 Eisners. He's also up for, I believe, Best Writer-Artist? Yes, for Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill, Superman Red and Blue, which came out uh, last year. Those are going to be two of the works we're discussing in our special Daniel Warren Johnson dedicated episode, along with his creator-owned work from Image, Extremity, which came out the previous year, so they're not... uh, (laughs) not Yeah, but you know what? We thought, like, well, we're going to talk about his eyes and works. Let's just talk about his other works. Yes, uh, and to, to start off with this, I, I'm personally a, a real big fan of uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. I was there when he, him and um, Donnie Ketz was working on their first creator-owned book, uh, Ghost Fleet, which was very, very cool. And then, you know, as we all know now that they're essentially, I, I, I personally feel like they're megaliths in the game because Donnie Katz had such a great run on uh, Venom. And uh, I think it's currently writing Thor. I don't know. I don't really he, keep He's up just kind of blown up on, all over Marvel. He's kind of like the next go-to writer. Of right. He's... I don't want to say I don't want to say it like this, but I feel like I it, I guess it it makes sense. Like he's a, uh, no uh, he he is I wanted I was gonna say he's like the Bendis, but no he's not like the Bendis, um because he only works on one book, um which I'm starting to see now where like you have like really talented writers, but sometimes they work on multiple books. But Daniel uh, Donnie Ketz is only working on Thor. I want to say I think he does a lot of like hopping on a lot so he, he's he i think he's better in the sense that not only is his writing popular but also he hits deadlines that's why they're gonna give him <laughs> as many titles right but also like he tells really good stories the the man the king in black uh storyline that he set up in venom was was very cool and the stuff that he set up in uh silver surfer black uh thanos i forgot he also wrote thanos 
and uh, Thor is just right. Is just he really, really he did the, the the Cosmic Ghost Rider book as well. He also did the Cosmic Ghost Rider book that's as a, well. That's how I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what, what was the book he and Daniel Warren Johnson did together? Uh, Ghost Fleets. Ghost Fleets. Oh, okay. That was a that that was a creator in book, right? Yes, it was uh, another image book. Yeah, uh, and he's and he's like kind of been this like kind of rising star in the last few years, Daniel Warren Johnson. Yes. Uh, and I think now he's. As you can tell, the IG nominations now, the industry is really starting to take it notice. really starting to take notice of him because, uh, right, he had Ghostly, then he had Extremity. Um, another great book that he came out with from Image is uh, Murder Falcon, uh, which came out, I want to say, two, year, two years ago. Either two years ago or a year ago. I'm not sure. I think I want to say two years ago. And um, now it's great to see him nominated for... Uh, his short story and Superman Red and Blue, and for his work on Beta Ray Bill. I yeah, kinda best w- limited series. Right. Kind of wish it was for his original works, but, you know, it's still good to see him get that recognition because uh, the way he, he wields the pen is fantastic. He also, uh, was it also, I think it's also an issue of Tyre. Did, did he have one come out in 2021? Uh, Creator of work. In so yeah, it could just be an issue of timing. It could, it could oh yes, he also has the uh, DC book. He has um Wonder uh, Wonder Woman, his his story? No, not his story. No, no, it's like Wonder Woman Dead something. Dead Black, one. Black Death or something. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That one we weren't able to get a hold of, but right. And um, Doer Power Bomb uh, just came just came out. So there we go. Oh my God, that was that was a mouthful. Yep, so let's just get started, and we'll talk more about, uh, we'll, we'll dispense with the whole intro background stuff, and we'll talk, we can use that when we talk about the books. So I think it's probably appropriate enough, we'll start with the short story. Uh, yes, uh, Superman Red and Blue, so let me go ahead and, uh... Pull, you pull it up for pull us. Pull up, pull it up, yep. you have it on screen, but uh, I'll get the, the light out. This was an anthology DC put out, uh, a bunch of different writers and artists, uh, contributed to it. Uh, there, there is an anthology about Superman, different Superman stories, non, not tied to continuities. So they can just write whatever, they can just do whatever they want. What makes it really special, as you can tell by the title, is that it's all two tone. The only colors used in every story is red and blue, because you know that's the iconic colors we we associate with uh, Superman. And it's like kind of sp- a little bit special for a mainstream publisher do this because usually marvel and dc especially they tend to be full color works so it's like kind of cool to see them do something they you wouldn't like you wouldn't normally get in like when they're regular ongoing series but it sounds it seems like that dc especially it's been trying to do in the last few years is be a little more experimental with anthologies and one shots yes um because i feel like since the uh the 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 fall return and fall again of vertigo all right and this <laughs> jesus and, and then the, fall, the and then black rise of black label the, the rise of black, black label yes yeah, the fall of black label oh would you say the fall of black label well apparently when they had that big purge like a year or two ago and dan didio got out they uh-huh. they, 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 they they put out a statement they're pivoting Black label to just focus on like reprinting older stuff now. Oh my god. Okay, so then so now the rise and fall <laughs> of black label. My god, that is so quick. Yo, DC, 
Y'all need to like step your game up and like you know puff your chest out to Warner Media. Well, I guess not Warner Media anymore. Warner it's Warner Discovery. Warner <laughs> Discovery now, right? And be like, yeah. yo, we we know what we're doing with these comics because like from what I read from these articles that these comics journalists put out, like it sounds like some really cool things. But then y'all get y'all get pressed, right? Y'all should show them y'all gangster, yeah. all right? Because, well, like they, because like they do with so long. like they did with Superman Red and Blue, which was uh. Well, I mean, it's kind of weird. It's all Superman gangster. But anyways, <laughs> um, what's really cool is that a lot of these stories, they te- because of their brevity, right? Uh, it's not really focused. Uh, it's not really focused on a lot of like the big epic space stuff. And, you know, Luther, not so much about Superman fighting Lex Luthor or Brainiac. And I mean, they do. But they, they, it gives them a chance to tell more intimate stories with Superman. A lot more closer look at like more you know, stories about his background, his upbringing, you know, more personal stories of, like, him saving people. Right. And I think, like, Superman Red and Blue does a very, like, good story. I mean, it does a very good job at telling these Superman stories because, I mean, these are clearly writers who love Superman. And not only do they love Superman, but they have an understanding of the character as well, which I feel like we tend to forget when uh, looking at these uh Big budget films, right? In particular, Scott Snyder's Man of Steel, which Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Did I not say Zack Snyder? You said you said Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Sorry, that's the comic. <laughs> I would writer. I would totally I would totally watch a Man of Steel do Man of Steel movie. I, I would too, or at least like you know pen the uh, the the, yes, the screenplay. But yeah. yes, <clears throat> which I I feel like I need to preface profess it or preface however you want to pronounce it, right? That I. Philip Fleming enjoy Man of Steel. I I really like that movie. I, I did too. But at the same time, it's not really a Superman movie, right? Uh, and yeah, I, I also I also want to add to you that I always I've always seen it once, so I haven't gone back and seen it. So. <laughs> I've I've seen it I've seen it a billion times. I've seen it a billion okay. times. I owned our um back back in back in my college days. I used to go to the Red Box and I would borrow. <laughs> I would borrow these DVDs to, like, play in the background while I'm doing art and stuff. And, like, Man of Steel, The Wolverine, and I want to say The Raid 2 or like, the movies I had on repeat. Oh, no, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier were movies I had on repeat over and over again. But I will say that I like that movie. Not really Superman, but these stories here, they really touch on who Superman is, which is... Him, despite being an alien, he is the most human among us, and um, he's not Jesus. We have to remember that he's not Jesus. Yeah. Right? Although, although for Daniel Warren Johnson's entry, it is kind of funny that it, it opens up a church. It does. It, it is funny. I say that it opens up in the church, right? So let's yeah. go ahead and dive into this, right? So we we see uh, Pa, Jonathan Pa Kent talking to uh his pastor i guess he hasn't seen in a very long time um and they're talking about you know the adoption that uh superman i mean the adoption that jonathan and martha kent are doing to get clark yeah it's Um, it's presumably like shortly after they got their kid which everyone assumes they finally had a kid uh which we we all know and but everyone else reading this knows the true story right um, which is always weird to me because reading through this book, it's always funny seeing like the different ways they draw uh, Martha and 
and Jonathan, because like sometimes like oh Superman's a kid, they're a little bit younger. Um, Superman is a baby, but like you know they look like grandparents. It's it's always amusing. Yeah, and this one like the this particular version, Daniel Warren Johnson. Something very unique is that he and he does it with a lot of his works. He's both the writer and the artist. Uh, and this and the short he did, he's also the colorist and the letterer as well. Yes. Uh, let's see. So let's go on to this this next page here, right? Yeah, so, Which we get yeah, this so basically, half splash. Yeah. So basically, you know, the priest and John Kent are talking about, uh, you know, and they're just talking about him having a son, and you know, it's kind of just like that that very human anxiety talking about like, all right, you know. I got I I'm a new dad. I got this new son. Like I don't know how I'm gonna raise him in the mm. world and whatnot. And the priest just comforts him, like quoting the Bible and all that. And does and this is the, the really specific thing he says to him is just, you know, be a dad and just tell him, you know, you're gonna be there for him and whatnot. Uh, and these are kind of the 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 recurring words he says because they get repeated in different contexts for the story. Mm-hmm. He goes he goes to baby baby Clark Kent. He says you are, he tells him you are special. Next, he picks him up from his crib. The next one, it's like him, him it's just scenes of him and Marfa playing with him. Uh, he's saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You are special. I love you. And it's just kind of repeating that uh, over the next few pages. And then it transitions. <laughs> we get a huge up in time where adult Clark Kent is looking at his dad's grave. Mm-hmm. And he's just clearly mourning, you know, the passing of his father which is pretty common in a lot of the continuities. I think looking from the first Superman movie that his dad is dead. Yes. Um, which I'm, I am assuming. I guess now the current continuity is using that in in these comics. I think so. I think only Martha's around, but I, I can't be too sure because, like I said, it's been ages since I picked up like a yeah. in continuity in continuity monthly. Anyways, that's not important. What is important is cool. Is that <laughs> then it cuts to like a montage of Superman saving people. Uh, and he's repeating all the same words his dad told him to all the people he's saving. You are special. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're special. And you what's know, cool I, is that- I want to say this, though, before you continue. Like, I always sure. thought it was funny where, like, Superman is saving this woman from a burning building. is like, hey, you're special. Like, that just seems, like, so so weird and out of context. Like, yo, Superman, what are you doing? I lost everything. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think. There might have been a little more forethought into that, uh, making fit the context. I think it's probably a riff on that very famous shot from All Star Superman, mm-hmm. where you know where he, where he talks, he talks to the girl from jumping from the building. Yes. Uh, but he doesn't do anything Superman. He just gives her an encouraging speech. Right. And that's kind of what what's great is that you see him. He's like you know saving the burning this lady from the burning building by flying. But the next three, he's doing. They're very down to earth. Like he's just in a hospital with presumably like terminally 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 ill ill kids saying i love you right then he's down on the streets with homeless people just eating pizza with them saying i'm proud of you uh he's floating in the air above which looks like a crowd of people i guess in covid or pandemic because they're all wearing face masks yep saying you are special then and and then this is where it ends he flies off into space looks down on earth saying i love you i'm so proud of you right and and Go ahead. Sorry, I I okay. Okay, so it ends with Daniel Warren Johnson dedicating it to his dad. Uh, yeah, God, yeah. That, was, that was that was fool. That was a bittersweet punch. I was like, oh God, my heart. Yeah, and it was really fitting. We we 
we record this on Father's Day, June nineteenth, twenty twenty two. Right. So yeah. it was very, it was very, it was a very beautiful, touching story. Um, um, let's talk about the art and the use of red and blue, because that's kind of the biggest thing. Uh, it, like every story in this uses red, only red and blue. So I'm kind of curious how you think Daniel Warren Johnson does it and makes it. He uses that restriction in his style. Yeah. So I mean, first off, right. So we get this scene of the of the church and uh. Paul, you know, talking to the priest, right? In order to make Paul stand out against all this blue, he ha- he gives him this red flannel shirt, right? It's presumably the idea of red, favorite color, uh, right? But then also to bring some type of warmth to this very cool scene, um, which really, really works because we have all this heavy black um, to imply that darkness along with that blue. And another example we see that here is literally on the very next page where the spaceship crashes and the grass and the dirt around it is also black, trying to give off that like night scene. Um, the white that is highlighting around the spaceship gives a nice uh, a sense of light, right? Very bright, kind of fiery, but at the same time, still cool, still dark, right? Giving you that sense of nighttime. Yeah, um, it's, a very, it's a very skillful use of white and black with your limited color palette uh, right. to show this. Right, which is um, a very interesting thing to say, right? Because I, I tell this to my students, and I see a lot of artists do this, right? Where Wherein they try to use, like, let's say... You know, you've already done everything in black. You've already done everything in white, right? You try to use whatever your third color is as a sh- as a shading, right? But rather than using it as shade, you should use it to inform the piece that you're doing, all right? So don't just limit it to that one sense of gray where it's like, all right, I'm going to just do this under here. I'm going to do this under the neck. Oh, this person's riding a creature. Let's do it under the other belly. No, right? Use it to go ahead and inform and tell that story. So you can make that entire creature um, your gray, right? Then you can sprinkle grays in the background so we can go ahead and get an understanding of either whether it's smoke, stars, blah, 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 right? And then, you know, putting it within the air. So it's like, so we really truly see this within, um, <clears throat> this this uh this comic series now and yeah, again and then, and then the the continued the like making sure paul kent and then ma kent stand out it's like they're the only ones in red exactly and i think another cool thing about this too is that because of this red and blue it's i feel like it's like almost implied where um because ma ma and pa kent are wearing red right um it, it could be seen as like a favorite color because like we have to remember right before Superman's suit was this crazy alien armor thing who made the original Superman suit it's it's it's, it's Ma Kent yeah Ma Kent made the suit right yeah, so just which is a nice homage to made in Superman and Lois it, <laughs> it, it literally made me cry right so then now right we have this um scene of him standing in front of the grave where there is an absence of color except for the red S on his chest, which is, I feel like it's supposed to harken back to Pa Kent and his red flannel shirt. Yeah, right? it's, very, it's very much emphasizing the connection between them, right? And even I think even, even going so far as to suggest that, like, he got the color design from them. Exactly, right? So then seeing it here all throughout where, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because, again, a lot of these 
read as night scenes except for this final fourth panel on this page but you know superman is blue but everyone else is blue but his red really stands out making him a uh, focal point of each of these panels yeah Um, and that's and that's something that's really common in all the all the stories right because the natural thing is because superman you know he's got the blue outfit and they make the red cape and shield and boots Right and draws. Don't forget, don't forget the draws. Oh yeah, I forgot. I think almost all the stories he has the classic outfit, right? Yeah. Yes, he does. All right. Um, and I'm kind of uh, curious to hear how would you, um, because we're not we're not really going to talk about the rest of the stories in this, in this anthology too much for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was curious, how did you feel Daniel Warren Johnson used the color plate, his use of color for this story compared to all the other ones? Uh, I would say. For his art style and the type of story he's telling, it it, it worked very very well. Um, because I feel like some stories in the book sometimes the red and blue gets a little overwhelming, especially those who are doing like more expense experimental work. Um, without using uh, a black a black outline to separate yeah, the, the this, characters this, in the this, background. This story it's much more restrained in its use of red. Uh, a lot of a lot more blue, but definitely also a lot more black. Right, because here, right, we we're just getting the four colors, right? Black, white, blue, red, right? But like the red, because it was set up as a a single entity within that first panel to represent the Kent family, it allowed him to go crazy with the blue. So like that's why there's much more blue, and the red is only focused on the Kents, Ma, Pa, and Clark. So I thought yeah. it worked very, very well here. I think it also it, it's used well emotionally because you know it's kind of a somewhat sad story because it's remembering his dad and his lesson. So the blue, it because we associate it with sadness and whatnot. Right. It works really well. Whereas definitely right. some different some other stories have a much different tone. They're much more excitement or adventure. The uh, the the colors are more used more for aesthetic reasons, more for just a purely visual reason. Right. Which, I mean, because like to your point you said before, right, the idea of like blue being representative of sadness, but also being representative of calm. Right. Exactly. It's a calm, yeah. very common color. So it can, it has the duality of both. So uh, something I just noticed, do they all use the same shades of red and blue? Uh, They do not. OK, because this is a, it's a pretty light shade of blue he uses in, yes. in his story. It is. So, like, let's see. Uh, let's look at this story by Sophie Campbell, for example, right? Where um, she made her outlines blue. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these are these are a little more saturated, for sure. All right. Uh, the red, the reds and the blues. So. Yeah, if anything, it looks, the reds look a little more, look almost orangey. Right, which I think is pretty neat because, like, the red is supposed to be representative of, like, an angry, streaky yeah, it makes sense. It's a, this is a comedic. It's a more comedic story about Supergirl and and Streaky the Supercat. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's good to use the color, which I think is a nice transition talking about. Because uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, like most of these artists, they don't use they don't generally use limited color palettes. He, uh, well, the next work we're talking about, he doesn't draw. He doesn't do the colors. Uh, no, he but doesn't. It's a, full, it's a four color book. So let's move on to. Still on a licensed comic, uh, his nominee for best limited series, Beta Ray Bill, Argent Star. Yes, which I had to, I had to show this because this is like one of my favorite panels. It was this one and. Well, you have to describe it, remember? Oh, yes, audio. I forget. This, this is audio. Yes. Oh, my God. I tend to forget. So it's pretty. 
Video version TVA. <laughs> yes, we, which we keep saying, but soon come, soon come, soon come for all my West Indies. Yeah, so yeah, because the idea that the the page that I'm showing here is uh, Beta Ray Bill fighting the uh, the leader, well the former leader uh, Mustafal um, Surter for the sword Twilight, which is um, Surter's sword, which is almost I guess equal in strength to Mjolnir. Yeah. So let's get, let's back up and give a little context first, because everyone who knows Superman is, we should probably need to explain what Beta, who Beta Ray Bill is. Beta Ray, right? The most so, obscure. Yeah. So he's a um, he's a supporting character in the Thor comics. Right. Created right? by uh, Will Simonson. Yeah, Walt Simonson in the seventies. Long story short, he's an alien that uh, was sort of like a, a kind of like you know friendly enemy to Thor. But then he was also deemed worthy, also worthy of Molinier. So he also one of the few other characters that that is able to use Thor's hammer. Right, and then because, Thor's okay. And Thor's okay with it because he considers him a friend and an ally. Right, he considers he considers him a brother, and yeah. um, because the reason is that like Beta Ray Bill is also a enhanced super soldier of his species. Yeah. Um, and, because, and this is what's great. This is why people love Beta Ray Bill. And I love Bill. He's a horse faced alien. <laughs> horse faced alien. Yes. Yeah. And um, imagine, imagine, a horse, imagine a horse with teeth. That's what <laughs> Ray Bill. Horses have teeth. What are you talking about? But he's got, you know, he's got like like crocodile teeth, right? It looks cool. Okay, whatever. But yes, uh, his 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 entire planet was destroyed by um Surtur, right? Um, back back in back in the very beginning. Well, actually, it's a Surtur attack, and then he became Vader Ray Bill, and then Galactus destroyed it. Which I guess I don't know. People brought that up and forgot about it. <laughs> Oh really? Dang, I forgot all yeah, about that. Yeah, I I I read that. I've I've read. I've not read a ton of it, but that's one of the few uh, ones I read. You don't even you don't even know about this. They, they, the first the first like whole issue of this is about explaining his backstory. So if you don't know who this character is, you'll you'll get it. But the the, the premise is that basically there's some Thor Asgard stuff that has to do with the current continuity. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> but basically. Um, Bittery Bill, he's feeling sad because his his lover his love of his life is is Lady Sif. People who know her played by um, Jamie, forgot her name, but uh, she's coming back. She's coming back with love of mother. But he like he basically has that quest that a lot of people have, which is that he just wants to look normal. He wants to have the power to change back into his non horse face looking for. <laughs> but the thing is that he doesn't have. Uh, so this we forgot to mention that is that not only is he able to use Thor's hammer, but eventually Odin, oh Odin gives him his own hammer called yeah, Stormbreaker, uh, Stormbreaker, which is you know everyone knows it from Infinity War and Endgame, but yes. uh, it belongs to Beta Ray Bill in the comics. But he doesn't have Stormbreaker anymore, so he can't change back and forth. So he's trying to get a new power to allow the change back and forth, and eventually he, uh, you know, he assembles like his party, right, his ragtag group of friends who help him to like what you need to do is get something called the twilight sword catches it's in the health dimension of surter <laughs> <laughs> and the whole the whole that's the whole story of him like fighting through hell to get the sword right so let's go ahead and start but, um, i think it's a good time now to talk about daniel warren johnson's art style in particular mm-hmm. uh because this is where you know this and the next book where he gets to really let loose so how would you describe his art style 
heavily inspired by um, Japanese manga. I would I would argue. I would say, in particularly, like um, Otomo and um, Masamune. Well, in, in what in what sense do you mean heavily inspired? Do you mean like big anime eyes and go, you know, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. His his action choreography is oh, chef's kiss. Um, as we get into these later pages where, uh, Fing Fing Foom, controlled by, uh, a Venom symbiote summoned by the King in Black, no, not Venom, um, Carnage? Venom? Who cares? I don't, I don't care, who cares? I, I don't know, it's, God, it feels so weird to, like, jump into, like, these licensed properties, like, yo, what the hell is going on here? Um, like, like a filthy casual, which is what we've, we've become now? We've become now, we became the, the thing that we hated? Yes. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so yeah, his his it's very much manga influence in terms of his action style and how expressive it is, his motion lines and whatnot. Right. Um, what I really like about his art style is that he just does a lot of detail and rendering and cross hatching. It reminds me very much of um, Jeff Darrow. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Like, uh, some some some, some uh, Paul Pope in there as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely that that kind of like really expressive line work it's not it's not like it's and it's a, it's a little different from what you see from most superhero comics it's not like not like jim lee where it's super clean right and everyone right. looks like models and, and like he he's very good at drawing grotesque monstrous exact very exaggerated right things. it kind of like the like one of my favorite marvel books of all time i have uh, several of them but this one in particular is uh karnak uh yeah, okay. I can I like like the action is kind of similar to Karnak as well. So if you read Karnak, I highly recommend reading uh, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see in um, Superman Red and Blue, which I read second. He's a little more restrained in drawing the people, like his style, because they because you know it's it's a more somber story. But mm-hmm. when you draw the the environment, the surroundings, that's when you see all the more brushwork, uh, expressive brushwork. And something right. he really does that I like a lot is that he he hand draws his own his own sound effects. Yes, he does. Like this uh, Kadoom crack here of yeah, uh, it's a flashback panel of him fighting Thor. Right, uh, where Thor breaks uh, Stormbreaker. Yeah, and it's like, like yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like most people I think most artists would just like you know put something in Photoshop and just copy you know slap it right on top, but he actually hand draws it into the you know it's like part of the art itself right it's a very very kind of uh, i i love to use this description very punk look you know (laughs) yes very punk pulpy underground you know sensibility um, yeah yeah which is i mean which is really cool because like i said before these these action scenes like they're intense yeah that's what makes it a pretty good comic because Like the quiet scenes get quiet, but the action scenes are like bombastic. Yeah, so I think also you could tell he really likes drawing, and it tends to be what a lot of people put him on, particularly with the three magic cards I mentioned. He likes drawing giant monsters and giant crazy-looking beasts, mm-hmm. right? Well, so let's let's pick like so like yeah, Fing Fang Foom. That's a very good example. Fing Fang Foom, yeah. Like look at this look at this punch here, right? Going through the brick. Yeah, so we see the panel, half panel of like a giant alien fist breaking through a wall, and there's a hand-drawn kaboom, uh, a little cleaner uh, than what we saw before. 
So mm-hmm. you, tell, you can definitely still, still personally stylize it, but this looks a little closer to what, like, what I just mentioned. But then here's the next. Yeah, this is where kind of the money shot for like Daniel Warren Josh. You can tell this way he loves drawing is yeah. giant monsters. You see all the little the lines where all the scales are. You see the the, the like all the creases and folds. Like this is where the, that detailed inking comes from. Right, like he he had the time of his life inking this dragon. Yeah, this alien, this alien dragon. I keep uh, forgetting Fink Fink was an alien. Yeah, he's not just a dragon. He's an alien dragon. <laughs> All right. So I think another cool part of this too is this half splash down here of um, Fink Fink Foom uh, biting this Asgardian in half. So you see like this bottom half here, top half here. And yeah, I think and the then, most adorable part about it is like they're doing it on the Rainbow Road. And apparently the, they're... The, the Rainbow Bridge, yeah. Yeah, I said, I said Rainbow Road. Shout out, shout out to Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> and the, the castle gates are Galactus's head. Or at least his helmet. Yeah, yeah. Because I... I mean, I, I, it has to do with the continuity, I imagine. Uh, mm. Who cares? Something, because um, <laughs> this is not... this. Who's the colors on this? Uh, Let's see. That's a good question. I don't know. Because, like... Because, uh, like, yeah, that page was so good. Because, like, they made that rainbow... That rainbow... Mike Spicer. Mike Spicer, who I think also works for him on Extremity, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I have it right here. Um, but, yeah, that's a great, great use of color. Because, like... Um, Cause you know it's like it's like a big Mad Max esque battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little, little like muted because you know it's war. It's like purple brown, and then you you got this like kind of grayish blue, I guess. Free paint room. Yeah, greenish, gray, greenish. like a uh, very very grayish blue green combination. Yeah, but but they, they, they're fighting on on the Rainbow Road, and it makes that rainbow color look look really really stand out. Yeah, that's you know I imagine that's pretty hard to pull off. They make it. Yeah, they're fighting on a rainbow-colored bridge. How do you how do you how do you do that? Might not, not make it look hokey. All right, but I mean, we got these these action scenes. We got this giant freaking scary-looking dragon here. It's it's a lot. And then the next money shot here is the scuttlebug, right? About to rain fiery yeah, hell this down. Is, this is like his uh, sentient battleship. That, yep. that that's like his closest thing he has to a sidekick. Yep. All right, and then here we, we let the cannon fly. Some more beautifully drawn uh, sound effects, right? Hitting, 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 thing, thing, fool. We got Beta Ray Bill coming in for the lunge, all right? But you know, getting knocked out because we we have to kill our beat up our darlings, right? Because that's the the first thing you learn as a writer. Yep, and then uh, so that's the thing is that like the first issue was like, all right, this is fine. It's but it's not really anything super different from what you if anyone reads the last superhero comics right mm-hmm. and then it's really like the second issue onwards it really the story really hits a stride uh well first of all the really funny thing is that he's playing ping pong <laughs> with on his ship oh yeah in like a like a shirt and a, and a hat, baseball hat um, which i thought was, was really cool <laughs> that's really cool is that he draws the ship and he actually takes the time yeah. to draw the cross section here we go yeah right here so you can see yeah. all the the rooms that are going on with the scuttlebug. If you look yeah, over it, it's, here, it's like it's like straight out of like those you know DK you know cross section books, right? You see of like yes. animals or or ships or whatnot. I used to have a couple for Star Wars. This is just like serious dedication, pure love that like he takes the time to imagine the layout of scuttlebutt. 
Right. Um, especially here, I think, I don't know if you know this is the first time you read, but the, here is Daniel Warren Johnson drawing in his studio. Oh, no, I didn't see that because I, I have it on a Kindle Fire, so it was uh, super small. I'm going to I'm I'm pull that up. Yeah, that's what I find a little Easter egg. Yeah. And then the, the story, this is where it really picks up, right? Cause he's like, you know, gathering his, his, his like ragtag bunch of misfits. Who does he go to pick up? <laughs> it's Scourge. He didn't even pick up Scourge. Somehow snuck on the ship. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing is that he's like, because Scourge is actually dead, but this is like his spirit, right? Because it's like the whole Valhalla. Valkyrie yeah, thing. he was Valhalla. He was in Valhalla, and he was like, "Yo, they don't have guns. Let me help my friend." Yeah, please. And then then the Valkyries were like, "All right, yeah, go do your thing." Yep. So let's. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Which is kind of weird because I'm not used to seeing Scourge in this like manner, except for in the Thor Ragnarok movie. But yeah, this is what I, was, I thought it was really funny. It's a very uh, I'm gonna use this comparison a lot. And it's gonna come out even more with extremity. It's very Mad Max. It feels very <laughs> Mad Max because it's just like the sort of dystopian, you know, barbar barbaric looking feeling and all these barbaric looking people and the way their costumes are drawn. Right. But see, my thing is, though, like my understanding of Scourge before, like he we even knew his name. I just knew him as the executioner and he was the silent, strong guy. Yeah, who, I, th- I guess I guess he was a bad guy and he, became, and he became kind of a good guy later on. Yeah, because at some point in time, he sacrificed himself to to save Asgard. So I remember him like running around in, in hell working for Balder, who also who became the king of hell at some point. Yeah, uh the the you know that that stuff it's very incidental you can enjoy it. what's great is that you can enjoy the story about really needing to know who the backstory of any of these characters are mm. um let's let's skip forward ahead to when he's actually fighting Surtur. okay these, are, well, these wait, are really before we skip forward ahead to Surtur, i wanted to show this because i already said that i can't talk about sports but i'm gonna talk about <sighs> sports but talking about this comic, so here. Uh, I mean, sports, I would argue, I would argue, wrestling's not really a sport. It it is a sport. Not not right? the way, like not like the Olympics wrestling is not the WWE kind. It's sports entertainment. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> sure. So, uh, what's it called? Scourge and Beta Ray Bill get into a bar fight, and I think this is so cool here, where um, this guy's coming towards uh, Beta Ray Bill with a bottle. About to hit him, punch him square in the jaw, grab him by the arm, flings him as if he's throwing him to the ropes, and it hits him with a clothesline. Or for those of you like fancy words, he hits him with a lariat, which I thought was beautifully done. Like this, this panel right here. Okay. Great. See, see this, this went over my head because I don't know anything about wrestling. So. <laughs> but I will, I will. I will trust your judgment that it's very, very accurate as a shout. And it kind of makes sense for this, the tone of this book, that this isn't really, like, elegant, you know, Black Widow flipping, that type of thing. This is just two, two really buff, buff, alien buff, whatever Scourge is, just <laughs> duking out of bar. Yeah, and this this picture of Scourge as well. Like, it just looks crazy. Yep. All um, right. So let's, let's give a hint to, like, kind of, like, the really big thing in this story is that he... Uh, so he eventually he, he fights his way through. He picks up some more people on his crew, namely uh, Pit the Troll. Makes, like, yeah, namely Scuttlebutt makes like an avatar of herself, uh, robot avatar of herself. Yeah. Eventually, he you know kept 
goes face off against Surtur, right? Mm. But you know, Surtur is just not gonna he's not gonna let him just take his sword, right? right. But yeah, because he, oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because the idea is that like because of the amount of defeats that Surtur has had, um, Twilight has neglected him. You're like, yo, you're not worthy. Get out of here. Stop touching me. God, stranger danger. Yeah. Um, but because Beta Ray Bill has showed up now, and Surtur was like, oh, you'll prove that I'm worthy um, to to wield Twilight again. So let's 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 let's, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, for those who don't know, like Surtur is like the closest thing Beta Ray Bill has to an arch enemy. Yes. So, uh, Surtur, I mean Beta Ray Bill convinces Surtur to get to his level because Surtur is like almost like eight hundred feet tall. Yeah, it's so, like you, you're like you're gonna fight me like a god. Why don't you, you know, fight me one on one at my level? And he's like, yeah. all right. So he's just like, and they just have this like big, <laughs> this like really great well-drawn, well-choreographed, like, big fist fight with each other. Right. So here, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is starting to show off these uh, MMA skills because, like, looking at, like, the kicks that Beta Ray Bill does, the way uh, Surtur is guarding, right? Those yeah, are much he, he, he knees him in the face. Knees him in the face. That's clearly a Muay Thai, a Muay Thai knee. Um, but I'd say the icing on the cake comes when... Uh, and these, gets, these sound effects are just gorgeous. They're right, yeah, right here. They are, especially here, like this pal breaking the panel on uh, the yeah. panel border. But it's also it's different from what's really cool is that all his FX look different too. They don't look the same. Like this one is just like, you know, a single stroke right of the brush. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other ones are like he took the time to like draw out the shapes. Right, which is always crazy to me, because when you really sit here and think about it, he's doing he's literally doing this on the paper. And that's oh, that's oh, what I love okay. I, I assume he drew it digitally, but oh, I'm assuming he did this. He does everything else by hand, so I was. Okay. I, was I, did, I, did, I don't know. I don't hand. know what is. I don't know how he draws. So. Oh no, he does uh, pen and paper. Oh, cool. Be better. Yeah. So here we got Pip sacrificing himself to give uh, Beta Ray Bill a chance, right? Blowing up Surtur's arm, but when you're a man made of fire, it doesn't matter. Um. So here. All right, we get this nice little setup. So here, oh gosh, I'm clearly nerding out. Um, <laughs> Beta Ray Bill kind of injured, but he's like, nah, forget all that. So he takes um, Surtur's arm, puts it underneath him, and is about to hit the man with a Frankensteiner. Um, and as he's like dropping him down to the ground, he puts him through the spike of um, Twilight's handle. So supposedly killing him, but of course it doesn't kill him as he goes. This is enough. I'm tired of playing these games. Yeah, and then I'm, and then that's where yeah he's gonna like stop him like uh, go go full kaiju just stomp on him, and then that's where Scourge and Scuttlebutt team up to like bust out the giant gun. Yeah. And of course, and then of course this is where you know Scourge is it's like the executioner. He's all about guns. <laughs> and then you know eventually the story wraps itself up. You know he got he's, he beats Scourge, he beats Surtur, he's got Twilight. And this is where we're, for me, this is where the story uh, just, it just clinches it for me. Because up until now, I'm reading this, it's like, this is, it's, it's fun. You know, it's it's really gorgeous to look visually. It's a lot of energy. The story is, like, not bad, but it's, like, it's fine. It's, like, the, it's like it's fine, but it's not, it's not, cr- not breaking new ground. It's not pushing the boundaries, right? It's not surprising me. Mm-hmm. And then, this is the thing that he's recovering, right? He's in the hospital. He's in his medical bay recovering. Oops. And then Pip goes, I'm happy for you, Bill. You got what you wanted. You're whole again. 
and he just he just steps away, looks in the mirror, because he, he's back to normal form now, right? He doesn't look like horse face Vader Bill. Mm-hmm. He goes, "You're right, Pip. I couldn't be happier." But you look in the mirror, and you clearly see he's not happy, and it's the, the <laughs> quote unquote the ugly form of him. Yes, though. And this is for me. Face. This is for me. This was great. Like he, you spent this this whole journey, and he got what he wanted, and it didn't make him happy like he thought it was going to. Right. So like very very inconclusive. So honestly, the the way this the way they did this because it's supposed to be like a prequel to we um. Before seeing Bill in the the Thor comics, where he's like he's apparently the the god of war in, in of Asgard or something, I don't know. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a standalone. Sorry. Yeah, I I was really into this book that I decided to go and read the introduction by uh, Don and Ketz, and that's okay. where he mentions it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so. that was that I thought was a great twist. That leads it. It's not just like your fun, you know, beat him up. Mad Max in space of horse face alien is that like oh man it's actually got like a really bittersweet moment that uh you know maybe he'll just you know who like what what does he even want does he even know what he wants right because he thought and, he wanted to look like himself but yeah and because all he really wanted was just to like be a Sif, right mm-hmm. and, uh and this is really sad thing is that i think it's pretty clear that Sif doesn't care it's the only person that really cares is beta ray bill himself I don't know. I felt like Sif kind of made it awkward, um, asking asking him the question about like his human form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when they need to be intimate, but I feel like like I I feel like this is deep down she wouldn't really care. This is more about his own insecurities than anything. Right. Which I mean, and which it, was always a big thing. Yeah, and in the end, it didn't it didn't change anything for him. So yeah, this is where I I just love this this great twist here. It it really added like it took the story to like a next level for me. So I think one of the funniest things here is like the bar going back to the bar fight and um the 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 dialogues that the characters say, right? Because you have to remember that this is happening in space. Um let's see, I think it's over here. Uh okay, that's right before they get in. So here they're talking to Odin. Oh yes, here we go. So they keep calling him horse face. And they keep threatening to turn him into glue because, you know, on yeah. Earth, that's what they do. But, you know, this is space. What do they know about horses and what do they know about glue? You know, let's, let's, not, let's not think about that. It's funny and it's cool. <laughs> I, thought, I mean, it's, it's funny, it's cool, yes, but it just, you know, I mean, thinking like, yo, they got space horses, they turn into space glue. Maybe, so, maybe they do. Maybe they do, you know. So like um and then I kind of think and then thinking about it too because I was like wait they make glue from horses I thought they made it from cows because I think of that Simpsons episode where Lisa was doing the thing is like you won't eat our meat but you glue with our feet think about it uh so I think that's a good transition to uh, <laughs> our last book we're gonna talk about uh, Daniel Warren Johnson kind of uh, unleash this is him like full crater all this is like everything this is like pretty much everything if you thought beta ray bill was like it was like beta ray bill up to 11 all right but this is a, yeah his crater own book from image extremity there's two volumes uh volume one artist volume two warren uh warrior sorry <laughs> um you've read both i've assumed yes I, i've read both yes all right because i was only able to get to volume one uh with the stuff i had to do this week but uh so 
it's it's I think it's very similar to Beta Ray Bill in a lot of ways. That it's a fairly simple story in its premise, right? It's just uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, right? It's just like you know, woman like this girl, family slaughtered by barbarian. It reminds me a lot of Conan the Barbarian, right? Mm-hmm. It's that like barbarians come slaughter her family. She goes on a quest to get revenge. Yes. Yeah. So this just this just I'm talking, just talking the premise, not the the story is a little more complicated than that, but that's just the basic premise. In right. space. In space. So call the barbarian in space and they, they kind of like look like Mad Max. Because they all they all fight with the crazy, like, you know, spiky armor. Crazy spiky armor and they're, the mask. They're spi- but they're in space, but they fight with these like primitive improvised, yeah, improvised axes and spears. Uh, you know, which is always amusing because, like, you know, you have technology where you have like flying uh, motorcycles, but like they fight with bow and arrow or spears. Yeah, yeah, it's very much <laughs> playing on that kind of very much pulpy, you know, kind of blurring the line of space fantasy slash sci-fi uh, type of story. Um, which you because this is something because it's the same team Daniel Warren Johnson writes and draws, mm-hmm. or uh, to be more specific, he writes pencils and inks, color same color as Mike's Mike Spicer, Mike Spicer, uh, different letterer, I think. I don't think because like he letter he let he did his own lettering of Superman Red and Blue, yes. And I don't know, I don't think he, I don't know if he did his own lettering in uh, Peter Bill. I don't think he so. did, no, he didn't. Uh, so I don't know where do you where do you want to start with this story here? Uh, God, that's, that's, that's a, that is a damn good question. Um, rather than talking about the overall story, I feel like we should go ahead and continue talking with the art style because this is like, because we're going back in time now, right? Because Beta Ray Bill is his most recent quote unquote, right? And Extremity being, uh, one of his first. So, yeah. For one uh, thing, because it's creator own image, he gets to be a lot bloodier. (laughs) Yes, because right. So we can go. We can go to this. We can go to this flash page. Oh yeah, fool! All right, let's let's see. Yeah, so this is the initial the initial raid. I have those barbarians coming in the slaughter, attacking her family, her clan, and it's just yeah, just just you're just you're seeing people getting cut, cleave in half. You know, a lot a lot of the blood, super detailed, all the the intestines and whatnot. Before we continue, I have to say this, right? I am very disappointed in comicsology. Um, because <laughs> oh, that, that what you're reading on? No, so, um, I don't know. I'm, you probably are out of this, but um, the comicsology. I mean, we already knew Amazon bought comicsology back in yeah, well, comicsology. They updated it really recently, or integrated they, it. Yeah, yes, they did. They updated it recently, but they got rid of the comicsology website, and now it's um on amazon so it's like uh, so it's yes. like amazon.com forward slash comicsology so, yeah, of, so it's, it's like when you're trying to read regular books yes so instead of having the uh the ability to jump around certain pages to show i i don't get that option here which yeah. is very annoying yeah, yeah amazon fix it like yes like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know why they had to take it away like it was made specifically to read comics i'm trying to read comics on my computer so yeah, there we go. That is that is my biggest gripe as of right now. Yeah, uh, well, let's uh, let's get back let's get back to extremity here. Uh, so yeah, uh, any so I, that's one standout page to me. Anything else that 
what that Ray brings up to you. Uh, something I like, something I think is a little, a little more distinction than Beta Ray Bill. You, you, you get to feel like, especially with like the space horizon scenes, you get, you get to feel like there's, there's like some Mobius influence. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's the vehicle designs, the building designs, uh, creature designs, kind of sort of is like, honestly, the creatures felt like something out of the, the Inkle. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got that watching this, like, um, because, like, in the Beta Ray Bill, you kind of have to fit, sort of, with, to some extent, I'm sure you got a lot of freedom, but there's an established look to, like, the space stuff, the space, like, right. there's, like, Fei Fang Foom, everyone knows what he looks like, Surtur, everyone knows what he looks like, uh, this one is, like, I think he gets to draw, especially with the monster, he gets to draw them, they'll look way more, way more alien, way more animal. Right, so, okay, here, here's my favorite scene, so, um, during the revenge story, right, the girl who was able to draw, she loses her hand. She has a brother who likes to tinker with things. He finds this uh, robot <clears throat> that is uh, programmed, that is very strong, but it's like I think programmed for like nonviolence or something, only for protection. So it wouldn't take a human life. But here we see it punch this alien rhinoceros in the chin, knocking it out, and the um. Let's see if I click into it. Yeah, here we see the speed lines effect showing the the amount of impact, which is going opposite of the punch force, which I thought is like very clever. Yeah, um, that wham, that hand drawn wham. Yeah. And what's cool is that not only is it, you know, it's orange to stand out from all prime, mostly all that purple and blue, but it's also the 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 word is shaded too. It's got it's got like he puts blacks on it. Yeah, little little inks uh splats over it, making it like show showing how intense it is through automatopoeia, which I always which I think is very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's really a lot of that uh in in this book. Like he just goes gets to go full ham on mm. on all, all his like the his like artistic tendency which we've talked about in the previous two like license works, he gets to go full ham on this. Mm. Uh, something I really like. So reading the story for me, I was just like, all right. I was also like, I was enjoying it, you know. But it wasn't also it's the same thing with Baby Better Ravel. It's I was enjoying it, but it wasn't really like surprising me. It's like okay, revenge stuff. It wasn't until uh towards the very end of Volume One where it like really pulled me in because uh mm-hmm. you know uh long story short, they're like about to get she and her dad, you know. Are about to get their revenge, but that she chooses instead of killing whoever it was. I don't remember. She chooses to save the brother instead, mm-hmm. and the dad was like, "That's not what I taught you. You know, your brother's weak." And she's <laughs> like, "No, I can't abandon my brother. You taught us." And it's like, and it's like that classic sort of that the classic thing of all revenge stories, all the good ones, is that like, how far are you willing to go? Right. right. What is the cost? What is the cost of revenge? Right, right? Is it going to turn you to the very people you like? That, for me, is where the story uh, really got, like, really, really got me in. Because now we're, like, adding... It's the same thing with the Beta Ray Bill, bittersweet things, not so nice character stuff. Uh, and, and that's supposed to just, like, pages and pages of people getting cut in half, which I was enjoying. Uh, but that, like, was, like, the special touch for me. I really mm-hmm. wish I had time to, like, read second to volume two of this. Yeah, I mean, which I, I highly recommend, like... To be completely funky with you, I kind of sort of remember the story. Like, I, t- to be fair, listeners, I didn't go back and reread it. Um, 
I, but I did. But I mean, I've read it a billion times the first time. Um, understanding the overall basic plot and like the amazing art and direction. And um, yeah, it was just it was just a very very good book, and I was very glad because um, this was published not just through Image but through Skybound, which is okay. um, what's his name? Uh, Robert Kirkman. Kirkman, thank you. I was gonna say Robert R- Ramirez, but that is the wrong person. Um, Robert Kirkman's um, imprint at Image, so like The Walking Dead, uh, what is it called? Demon. Yeah, um, yeah all, the, all those books. Yeah. All those books are published through it too, so like that's why it's able to go much further along than you would normally see. Yeah, and it's like kind of unique. I see because he he writes and draws a lot. I think. Has he ever done a book where he just does the art? Uh, yes, he has. Uh, Ghostly. Ghostly. All right, but it seems I was looking through his bibliography. Like, it seems like most of it he writes and draws, right? Most most of it he writes and draws. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I thought was uh pretty pretty, especially in mainstream comics, that space it tends to be either it tends to be a writer or an artist. Not not a ton do both. Right. Uh, uh, like very very. You rare really do it like because you, know, um, you know it's a lot of work and, and there's two separate skill sets right uh, but that's why it's like like for me all his books they're like very compelling to look at more than they are to read uh but exception mm-hmm. to superman superman Red blue i thought it was very emotionally compelling although it was also a very simple story as well i see really um yeah. Not, and I'm not saying that the writing is bad i'm not saying he's a bad writer but i definitely for me it's like I think it's more of like the art is doing the heavy lifting of the story than the writing. Yes, I I, w- I would say so as well too. Um, because they're not these the, the sto- in terms of the story they're not they're not really complex they're not breaking new ground. I think you would admit, right? Yes, I I would yes I would say oh uh, except for Murder Falcon I would say Murder Falcon. Okay, yeah, that one. But like this and Beta Ray Bill they're not they're not they're not like they're, these are definitely not super writer writing driven you know there's always some comics where it's like very writer driven or very story driven or mm. ideally the best ones are the both yeah his, his i think what i've these two we've read so far are very much more visually driven than they are writing writing driven yes most most definitely um which i mean it's the thing though but i feel like if you can draw amazing and draw like i mean and write a good story Right, that yeah. in of itself is an accomplishment, and it's worthy of not only praise but recognition as well. Yeah, um, and it also makes sense for the type of genre he's working at, because these are these are very simple stories, because you know they're mad, like you did, mad, going the barbarian space. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, like me personally, this is he is probably one of my favorite um, comic um, uh, comic artists. Um, oh yeah, here. I mean, he, he does. Here's the here's the the beta ray build cross section again, but he's doing it on the tower. Yeah. Oh, see, like I said, I I wish I had the ability to go through this much easier. Oh yeah, because you have the stupid digital version. Yeah. Yeah. I what page that is. Yeah, but like, um, but yeah, that that it it was really nice to see, uh, and like a common theme is that he does have that touch of like, you know the the emotionally resonant like you know sentimentality is because like Beta Ray Bill he doesn't he gets he he chops through everyone he chops through everyone in the hell dimension right mm. but he doesn't get what he's, what he's sad like this <laughs> this girl 
whose name I really should remember, right? <laughs> the main character. The main Thea. Character. Thea. Thea, right? Uh, which I did like. I did like that touch that like she's an artist and her clan like really venerates artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, something America can learn, right? <laughs> Venerating artists more than all your other bullshit. This is, you know, everyone listening to this who, who, anyways, I'm not gonna go on that rant. But like, uh, yeah, you know, she won't turn on her brother just and better dad's lost can see my vengeance. And then Superman Red and Blue, if you want to like tie everything up, because we're more or less done. Like, yeah, that was like a really nice emotionally resonant story. That was very different in tone from these two stories. So yeah, I don't know. Any more, any more final thoughts you want to add about Daniel Ward Johnson? Because I was, I was really new to this. Damn, you, you've been a longtime fan. Right. Um. I mean. I see what. I, I mean. I, this is the new, the new guy I'm gonna follow now. So. Yeah. Um. So and honestly, the only thing I really want to add is, uh, you know, pick up those books, read them, enjoy them, study them if you're trying to get into comics, because, um, he does a very good job of mixing negative space and backgrounds. Yeah, actually, I want to I want to break this up because on the back of my trades, someone put a promo. I want to see if you agree with this or what you think of it. Okay. Uh, you know, present a bold new vision where the beauty and imagination of Studio Ghibli meets the intensity of Mad Max, <laughs> which is like Studio Ghibli. I mean, I guess in terms of like the world building. I guess that that is the the closest anime this person has, I guess, seen or something. I mean, this, like this, I, I, this is the image copy. <laughs> So yeah. I guess whoever whoever's writing the copy at Image, which I thought is uh really, I would say he's like, do you really? I don't really get Studio Ghibli vibes. No, this. not not at all. I wouldn't even say Studio. Ghibli. I was just saying Miyazaki, like you know, just keep it at well, the person. That's yeah, what they're saying, but like, I mean, it's not Miyazaki in the writing because you know it's super violent. Is it no, Miyazaki? I mean that's that's what the Mad Max comes in from. Yeah, is it Miyazaki in like I guess the landscapes and. Stuff. The like art, this, the artistic sense, like kind yeah, of reminds it, me of uh, Nausicaa. Okay, yeah, in that sense, because you know it's a lot of um, the the hills and the nature. It looks really beautiful when there's not like people killing each other on them. It, it's a very fleshed out world, uh, like this like this double page around. But I thought that's just like the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest X meets Y to ever. Yeah. You know what, Image, if you're listening to this, hire me. I can write better copy than this. I literally do this for a living. I would not have said to you, you typically. Come on. There you go. So there you go. And uh, and uh, when we do prom- promotion for this, you know, Daniel Ward Johnson, if you listen to this, come on the show. Let's 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 talk about your process, you know. And then we can talk wrestling because you know? <laughs> yes, you you and Bill can talk wrestling. I'll be here. Just like, I'll be here confused. asking you about your magic card so I can talk magic with you. <laughs> For like two seconds. Whatever. I'm sure he plays it. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> I'm very well. And uh, I'm Phil Fleming, and we are VR Troopers. Again, we keep, you, you, keep, you, you keep saying that. What do you mean? I keep saying VR Troopers? Uh, this is at least the second time you say that. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, so now I'm going to change. I edit these. Change. I'm going to change it. All right, all right, all right. So we're not VR Troopers then. We are Ultraman. There we go.